I'm just invited to look at the Lord's Prayer basically this morning. We continue our journey through that. And um, this morning we look at that line. It says, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. When you think of uh, kingdom, what, what crosses your mind? I think kingdom has to do with power. Power. If somebody's kingdom is here, they have power. When was the last time you had experience? You experienced a deep sense of God's power in your life. When was the last time when you can say God was my power? Maybe you are here this morning and you are just at the end of your, of your rope. You say, I'm so empty. I'm running on empty. I am defeated. I feel just crushed. I'm just about to throw in the towel. I feel disrespected. I feel trampled on. I feel that I'm not necessary in this. And I feel that I am so easily replaceable. So I am hopeless. There's no hope in my life. What can I do? This morning, Christ Jesus wants to tell of us, all of us, the power, the hope comes from His kingdom, from Him. He can give us power. He can give us hope. He can restore our dreams. And He can restore our visions. And it's in that Lord's Prayer. You know, this is how we pray. Our Father who are in heaven. And what do we pray? The first three things petition is, Your kingdom come. Hallowed be Your name. Your will be done. It's not about us. You know, we will so much like to just jump and say, Give us the daily bread. We, we might just start, Our Father in heaven, can You just give us today what we need? That's our tendency. But it says, No, it's about God. It's not about us. It's not about leading us or protecting us, delivering us, forgiving us. It's about God. So that's why we say, Our Father, Your kingdom come. And if you think about what we do really there, we really say to God in the first phrase, we, we pray to God, to our Father. There's, there, there are so many beings, spiritual forces in the universe, but we go to our Father in heaven. Specifically, we go to the Creator, the Master, the sustainer of all things. And then we praise Him. And last week and today we assert Him the power that He says. That He has in His kingdom. May Your power come. So that's, that's our prayer this morning. That we will ask God with honest hearts. May Your kingdom come. Our Father in may Your kingdom come. What does it mean? What does it mean for us? And I want us to look at three things this morning. Just the reality that things are, uh, we are in a world that is at war. For some of us, uh, could be obvious. For others, could be good, uh, a news that we don't want to accept. Then uh, we will look at the kingdom of God. And then thirdly, just uh, shortly about what about us? What do we do with that? How do we bring that kingdom in our own lives? Just think about, you know, is, is this world a world in which you see people building their own power? Their own kingdoms. I will just give you an example in the news, right? <clears throat> Today is the soccer final player, the president 
of Russia will be in Brazil watching the game as they are going to be the next host country. But as you watch maybe that game, I'm not sure if you will, but if you watch it, just remember what he's doing. Just a few months ago, right? Russia, there is Russia, there is Ukraine, and then there is Romania, my home native country. And just after the end of the Winter Olympics, right, he just went and grabbed that portion we call Crimea. It was a power grab. He wanted to build his own kingdom. And you have to have no doubt about it. Because we all, we all, one way or another, in our own lives, in our family, sometimes in our businesses, or even in our church, we try to build our own kingdoms at so many levels. But this is more like a global level, right? So, let's acknowledge the first thing that... Uh, we live in a world in which the world is a playground for some, but really for Christians, for those who acknowledge Christ, is a battlefield. We live in a world that is a battlefield. And it's a battlefield for many, many uh, ways, in many, many ways. Every country on earth, you see, they have something. And they have, first of all, a leader that can be a caliph or a president or a king or they have people, and then they have land. <clears throat> if you don't have these three things, almost you don't have a country, right? It's very hard to have a country. And like I said in the beginning, I'm not necessarily a soccer fan that, that is crazy about soccer, but I do like, well, you know, every four years to watch some of the games in the, in games in the World Cup. But one of the interesting things is when the soccer plays, the players play, they play for their country, right? You look at the players and the team, and you look, wow, who are they, you know? But behind them, Behind this team of players, there is the country. They represent the country. Have you seen them standing and singing the national anthem with so much pride? Because they know now in this position, in this situation, I'm representing my country. And all of them come from playing different uh, clubs, but they come together in this team. And there are so many supporters. And if they lose, if they are defeated, the country feels a sense of loss and defeat, Right? If they win, then the country feels a sense of, we did well. We did well. But this is one way to see visibly, to see visibly countries compete in a sports event. But this morning I want to bring you the news that the kingdom of God, and what we are talking about, the war, the kingdoms of war, it's about invisible kingdoms. It's very elusive, very hard to define the kingdom of God. But it is a battlefield between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. This is the battlefield. Two kingdoms that are, in a way, invisible. Have you seen the kingdom of God? Have you seen the kingdom of Satan? Where are they? They are both spiritual entities. They are somehow, somehow they are manifested and come to see us on earth. If you think of the kingdom of God, many people say, well, the kingdom of God is, is visible in its social liberation, you know. And that's one aspect of it. People will say, if God's kingdom comes into a country or into a neighborhood or into a city, there's going to be people liberated. You know, socially you will see changes. You know, like people who used to be abusers, they will stop the abuses their family and kids. People who used to spend their money on drugs and alcohol, they will stop to do that. And that's one true aspect. But they, they, sometimes they push it too far, right? But there's also the other aspect, that there's a spiritual freedom. There's an intellectual freedom, mental freedom, that people, when they come to Christ, that's what, they, what we say, your mind, your thoughts are changed. Your spirit is free. 
you suddenly you let all of the shackles, all of the handcuffs that, handed, that, that, that kept you tied down to sin, they are gone. So these are two aspects that they always, they're always present there. And I think we need to keep a balance between them. But then the kingdom of Satan, you know, many times you say, where is that? It's on a personal level. There's personal destruction. I, I think that this verse says it all. This is what Jesus says. The thief, which is Satan, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief, which is Satan, comes only... If you have a marriage and somebody is destroying it, it's not from God. If you have a friendship and somebody trashes it, if you have a reputation and somebody tramples on it, somebody is stealing and killing something in you. Remember God said, Jesus says, you, you think that only when you kill somebody physically? No, when you hate your brother, he said. When you hate your brother. And John said, John said if you do not love people, don't think that you can love God that you do not see because you do not love people that you see. So don't kid yourself. And then Jesus says, but I have come that they may have life. And they have abundant life. Life to the full. That's the call of God's kingdom. Life to the full. But the kingdom of Satan is destroying not only personal lives, but also nations, right? If you look at the national and global scene, you know, there's so much destruction there. There's so much destruction. Just look at the communism, right? The system that we so many believed in it. It caused so many victims, especially in the last hundred years. So many victims. Because they said, we know better how to build a kingdom on earth. We don't need God to build his kingdom. We don't need his advice. We, men, women, humanity, we know how to design society. Then human trafficking, just one example, right? They say that today they are modern-day slaves. It's either sex slaves or labor slaves. They said about 27 million slaves. And even Michigan is tainted, tainted by this. All over we have problems and we are seeing the signs of a kingdom that seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. Every force that kills steals and destroys reminds us of the kingdom of Satan and you might be asking yourself so how did we get into this situation when two kingdoms are at war how did we get here well that's why it's so important to go back to the beginnings and many people like to talk about Adam and Eve in these days right but in the beginning God had a perfect kingdom he made he looked around in the garden of Eden and said everything was good and then he put men and women there, Adam and Eve, and said, you take care of it. You make sure that you take care of everything that is here, the birds of the earth. Uh, but then they said, there is one thing you cannot do. You must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When, when you eat from it, you will certainly die. There is one prohibition, one law that you have to keep in mind. And what happened? They disobey, right? How did we get here? By their disobedience. They said, well, yeah, that's what God said. But look here, this serpent here, Satan, look what he's telling us. That he's trying to prevent us from becoming gods like him. So that's what they did. They disobeyed. The moment they disobeyed, they turned, in fact, their God's given freedom. It was a freedom that they had. 
And we keep saying that, the freedom of the will. They had the freedom to choose to obey God, and they turned that freedom into slavery. They thought that that's how they're going to be liberated. And Satan said, yeah, you will be like God. What a liar. What a liar. So he took, in fact, control over the whole creation. And then our world came under his dominion. It's so hard to accept that our first couple, our first parents, they turn us, human beings, into the slaves of Satan. And you say, well, how can everybody be slave of Satan? This is what the Bible says. We know two things, John says, that we are children of God. And the other one is that the whole world, the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Unless you are in one kingdom, you are in the other. You are either a child of God or a child of Satan. There is no middle ground. I'm just, on the se- I'm just sitting on the fence. You cannot say that. You are either in one kingdom or in another. The Pharisees were very religious people. And sometimes we end up saying, well, I'm not, I'm not interested in God or in, in, in your church. But I'm interested in spiritual things. Look what, God, what Jesus tells the spiritual leaders, the Pharisees. He says, you Pharisees belong to your father. They have a father too, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. That's your plan. It's, you don't say, our father in heaven, your kingdom come. But you want to carry out your father's desires. And he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar, and he is of the father of lies, the father of lies. You think, wow, what is God doing, right? How is God responding to this? How is God fighting this war between these two kingdoms? They are two kingdoms at war, but they are not equal in power. God is still the creator, right? But many times men take their, the reins of history in their hands and say, I can fix the problem. Let me just give you an example. You know, today, again, a global example, right? You remember Iraq and Syria? That grayish, the shadow area, is where somebody, a very powerful leader, somebody who was at some point, you know, in U.S. custody in a jail, he came out and said, I can fix this problem. I can build a state. And basically what he said is, I am building my own kingdom, and I'm going to call it, Right in the middle, an Islamic state. It's both Syria and Iraq. And what, what's happening now, he's building an Islamic state that covers most of Syria and most of Iraq, and he wants to expand it. His name is al-Baghdadi, the number one terrorist in the world. The most powerful terrorist, the most wealthy terrorist in the world. And he says, I can fix the world's problem. If you are a Muslim, you should come into my kingdom. If you are a Syrian or if you live in Saudi Arabia or in Jordan, wherever you live, just come in my kingdom. I am expanding my kingdom. And I'm going to be a caliph, which is like a religious leader. Come in my kingdom. I will fix all things for you. We'll build an Islamic state. His favorite way of inspiring terror and his kingdom is beheading. Executions by beheading. He's so powerful that the Christians, this is a picture in Mosul, this Christian when they came, when he came in Mosul like a month ago, he, they fled. They let the scene because they knew there's no chance to talk. There's no reasoning with him. 
But God's, what's God's answer? This is our human answer. We try to run and say, who's powerful? Who can build us a kingdom? Which president can bring an answer? And you know that. Is the answer is not a Democrat. It's not a Republican. It's not an Independent. The kingdom of God is way more elusive, way more hard to pinpoint than that. It's beyond that. I like what, um, what, what God is doing. You know, how is he responding? You know, how is he responding? He says, I am building my own kingdom. Not your kingdom, not David, not, not, not Joel or Moriah's kingdom or al-Baghdadi's or Vladimir Putin. I am building my own kingdom. That's my answer. In the Old Testament, what's interesting is in the Old Testament, you do not find the word the kingdom of God. There's no term the kingdom of God in the Old Testament. More likely, in the Old Testament, the kingdom of God is more like God's people, the chosen people, and their land. But the phrase the kingdom of God is not there. We come close to understanding what God is doing in the Old Testament in the book of Daniel. And if you remember, Daniel has a prophecy. I mean, he is a prophet and he has a vision from the king in Babylon and he has to interpret it, right? And the king in Babylon sees in his dream, in his vision, a big figure. And there's this tall, tall figure of a man. And this figure has uh, the head of gold, the chest of steel, bronze, and the legs are feet and, the, and just the toes and everything else there is a combination of clay and iron. And without naming it, it says, there was a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. This, were, this represents the Babylon is the head, and every other kingdom is like that. The, the, the two legs of iron are the two, the Roman Empire and everything else. And so they go through history. And basically Daniel says, you know what? There was a rock that was cut out, but not by human hands. And the rock came and hit the statue, hit the, the history of mankind. And all of these things were destroyed. And they fell down. And he says, and then the rock grew and grew big and big and covered everything. And was bigger than everything. And that's what God says about his kingdom. It's sometimes invisible. It's hard to see. It's not in a person, in a human being. That you can name in the Old Testament. So, where is the kingdom of God? And the answer is, it is in somebody that is the king, in King Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who brings the kingdom of God in the New Testament. He starts his ministry and he announces the kingdom. He comes to us as the king who says, I am coming with my kingdom. When the king comes, he comes with power. And yet he's humble the first time. That's why we have this division. You know, between, I mean, his first coming is in humility. But look what he says. The message is repent. Repent and believe for the kingdom of heaven is, has come near. Many times when he talks about the kingdom, he says, repent and believe, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. And you say, what do I do with this? You know, what do I do? What does it mean? And immediately he explains, and he says to his disciples and to everybody else who wants to follow, he said, come, follow me. Maybe you remember the story. It was um, a team of people, or researchers in the jungle, and they just went to the jungle trying to find the way out. And suddenly they said to each other, where, where is the way? And they had a guide. And the guy said, I am the way. Just follow me. And they went and went and went and said, well, we don't know. We, it looks like we are going in circles. Where are we going? And the guy said again, I am the way. Just follow me. 
stay, stick close to me. We'll get out. Last Sunday, we had the, the blackout, right? The, the, the lack of power. Sunday evening, we were with the family. I'm sure most of you had. I hope that uh, uh, most of you also were spared of uh, destruction. But uh, when that power, the, the blackout came, then we lost power. <clears throat> Immediately, we said, well, let's go to the Internet and see what's the news, you know. And we realized, but there's no, there's no Internet. How, how are you going to go on the Internet? Well, let's go on our phones. Well, we didn't have, you know, much power in the phones, too. So we realized the only power we had in terms of physical power was just a little bit of gas in our cars. And one of our kids found a flashlight, and we were trying to move in the house, and, and said, you know what, I have a flashlight, follow me. I'll show you how to do, how, where to go. And that's what Jesus tells us. I am the light of the world, follow me. I am the king. There is nobody else that can give you power and strength. Just follow, just follow me. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. And you say, how, how is Jesus so powerful? Why is he able to just claim suddenly that the whole earth is under Satan, Adam and Eve fail, and he is now powerful? Why is he able to guide us, to deliver us from Satan, right? And I think that the answer is in Jesus' death was Satan's defeat. You know, when he came as a king, he was challenged. And even Pilate said, are you a king? Are you a king of the Jews? Everybody was asking him. And he said, well, let me tell you, I am a king. But not in the way you think. It's not a visible kingdom. My kingdom, in fact, is not of this world. It's not of this world. And when the devil nailed him to the cross and killed him and put that crown of thorns on his head, he, said, he thought, I, I am done with it. He's done. There's no more power in him. And look what the New Testament says. Having disarmed, having disarmed the powers and authority, he, Jesus, made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Because he was not guilty. Because he was not Adam and Eve disobedient. But he was obedient, even obedient to the cross. He was not guilty. He was innocent. There was no sin in him. And the devil said, I am going to nail him to the cross, kill him, and get rid of him and his kingdom. And he didn't know that in that moment when he crucified Christ and killed him, he crowned him as the king. Because Christ could not be bound by Satan because of his lack of sin. And that's what he gives us, freedom. <coughs> if there's nothing to condemn you, and that's what the Bible says, in Christ Jesus there's no condemnation for you or for me. If you come to him, there's no condemnation. All of those chains and all of those shackles that keep us bonded into Satan's kingdom are gone in Christ. There's nothing else that can give us the kingdom. And then not only that, that he defeated Christ there. I mean Satan, Christ on the cross, defeated Satan. But he also, God's power transfers us from his kingdom, from the, the kingdom of Satan, into uh, the kingdom of, uh, uh, of Christ. And God the Father says this so well. And in fact, is in Colossians, and it says like this, For God the Father has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. We too were in the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son. What a transfer. What a transfer from, from one kingdom, kingdom into another. The kingdom of the Son, you know. So you enter into God's kingdom. The kingdom of the Son, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, they are all synonyms. 
And he says, for the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. In power. It's not just words that we speak here. It's power. And that's what Jesus said to his disciples. Just go back in Jerusalem. I'm going back to my father. And you will receive what? Did he say you will receive words? No. You will receive power. Power. (coughs) When my spirit comes, you will receive power. When the Spirit came to us, we received God's power. We are, if we come to Christ, empowered by Him. Have you seen people that are empowered? Have you been empowered recently? The only thing you can do to be empowered again, to be restored, to be connected again to God's power, is to come to Jesus and to say, Lord Jesus, fill me again. If you haven't done that, you say, Father, I need to to have a father. I don't want my, my former father. I want a new father. And then I want you as my father now, as Christ Jesus, as my Savior, to fill me with power. I need your power. I go to work tomorrow, and you know what, face, what I face there, right? I need your power to bring power, the light. Because that's what he says. Now, not only Jesus is the light, but then he says, he looks at us and says, you are the light of the world. You are the salt, the light and the salt of the world. When people will see how you love each other, they will believe that there is a Father, that there is a power beyond human reach, that we can love each other. We don't need to be the same nation. (coughs) You can speak the deaf language and still worship the same God. You can speak any language on the earth and in God's family. We can be brothers and sisters of the King, empowered to live for Him. However, he says, and this comes just a few verses later, at the end of the sermon, you know, the Lord's Prayer that we study is in the Sermon on the Mount. And at the end he says, but not everyone. Make sure that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Make sure that you don't fool yourselves, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Because many will say on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not did miracles and other things? I never knew you. The Lord we answer, away from me, you evildoers. In another place, he tells to seal disciples, he tells the disciples, you know what? The, the road is narrow, and only few find it. The call for us is to go to Christ and ask him for his power. So the, the challenge for us is, will you do that? What about us? Will you do that? Do you accept God's reign, God's power? God's kingdom. It's so easy. Today we believe that we know better than God, you know. We know what's right and we, def- we define what's right. People know that God is kind of, some, sometimes the tendency for us is to say, God, you know what? Fairness in this life, fairness. Uh, it's not fair what, what you do to some people. So we try to say, you know, we, we know better what's fair, what's just. Would you just do what, and then we go to him in prayer and give him a list of what he needs to do to bring fairness and justice in the world. Because we think that we can tell him what to do, what's fair. We can define for him what's right, what's righteous. And when we say your kingdom come, it's basically saying, it's not how I am thinking. I cannot put my brain on top of his brain and then say, well, this is how you should do in this case. 
So do you accept God's reign? Means do you accept the fact that it is about His kingdom and not my kingdom, not your kingdom? It's not that we are building our own little kingdom. We are all in this thing. Would you accept that? That in your life, the way you deal with everybody else is the way He wants you to deal, not the way you define it? But He made me do that. Look what she did to me. I have the right to be vengeful and revengeful. And God said, no, no, my kingdom come. I am the judge. Can you let me deal with those things that you cannot deal? I like how Tim Keller, one of the, one of the <coughs> pastors of, a, of a, a large church and ministry in New York, uh, he said, every feeling that we have, every feeling has to be processed in prayer. Every feeling has to be processed in prayer. Because we come and say, not how I feel, but how you feel. He also said, Every psychological problem we have, he said, is a theological one. And every theological problem we solve only in prayer. Blakesick is saying to us, basically saying to us, unless you see God and His kingdom, unless you seek that first, everything else will be a problem for you. But once you give everything to Him, then you get the power to live in His kingdom with power. Do you want His power in your life, in your family, in your street, in your city? In our state, do we want that? Do we really want God's power among us? Are we seeking that? And then maybe will we say that we, we will pray for that. We will pray for our city. That's why we said, may your kingdom come in this place, not only in Hillside here at the church, but at home, on our streets, in the city. And I will even challenge and say, would we, I think that somebody had this idea. Say, what if every church takes even the task of not only praying for us, but also for our community, but also for those who... How about praying for al-Baghdadi, right? What if we say, you know what, God, for, for the next few months, I'm going to pray for this guy, that Satan is using him to destroy and to create so much violence and, 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 and crime and, and disaster. What if we take the, the people that we care for and we think they have some power and just say, we are going to pray that the kingdom of God will come in their life too. What if we do that? Then we will have power. When we go to Christ and we say, your kingdom come, not mine. Your power come, not mine. When we submit our agendas to him and say, it's not about what I want, it's about what you do. Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks that uh, in this morning, through Christ Jesus, you call us to remember that you are our Father and that you have a kingdom with power. And we ask that in our midst, in the battles of our daily lives, and battles with our own sins, battles with each other, with the disagreements that we have, in battles between uh, organizations and then countries and states, we ask that you will indeed bring your kingdom in the midst of your church and use the church as an agent for that kingdom. May your kingdom conquer our hearts with your power. In Christ's name, amen.